Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm sitting down with Mike Shooter, co-founder of Impact4 and co-founder and COO of Thankful. Welcome, Mike. Thank you very much, Darren. It's good to be here. Well, I feel like I've got you under false pretenses because in my introduction, I was talking about marketing, media and advertising. And actually what I want to talk about is purpose and really give some clarity to this idea of brand purpose versus corporate purpose. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. Far away. Because I know your business um, impact for is very much about helping organisations define purpose, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, basically, we've we've set Impact4 up to provide strategic positioning of values and purpose so that businesses can achieve their social and sustainability goals and amplify their impact, both for profit and also for purpose. Right, okay. Because, you know, we hear a lot in uh, marketing this idea of brand purpose as if individual brands can have a purpose that is, you know, in many ways, good corporate social responsibility. It's, um, it's interesting because ultimately, you know, what is marketing about? It's about trying to understand brands and understand consumers and build a relationship between the two. Now, we know through research that I think it's 92% of consumers have a more positive Im- image of companies supporting a social or environmental issue. And therefore, if you're a marketer and if you can um, hang your hook on a specific purpose, then there is an opportunity to drive more incremental sales. However. Yeah. And it's a however, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And um, it's it's interesting because the way we look at it is that um, we look at two axes. One is obviously social impact and the effect that we're having on the environmental or any other um, sustainable goal. And the other one is how we look at authenticity. So as we know, then there have been a number of products that have come out and talked about their alignment with social purpose or with um, some form of of purpose. The challenge is that consumers can see straight through that. Yeah, I I was going to say, because, you know, if, if marketing just reduces purpose to the way they communicate and what they communicate about, isn't it? a big difference between saying you're a good person and actually being a good person. And and often a lot of that exists within the organisation beyond the remit of marketing, doesn't it? Completely agree. And I think um, there's probably a couple of points there. One is that um, consumers are going to figure you out if you're saying things and not doing them. So if you as a brand or as an organisation or even as a product, you're talking about something and they identify that you're not actually delivering upon that promise, then they won't buy. And the challenge with social media is that they'll spread that negative story very, very quickly. I think the other thing is, is within an organisation, the question is, where does purpose sit? Um, We know that large organisations for a while have had corporate social responsibility departments that might look at supply chain, they might look at logistics, they might look at where products originally come from. But 
sometimes that has also been challenging what marketing is saying. And I think, or we believe that purpose has to be part of the absolute DNA of the organization. And it has to be driven from the top down and from the bottom up. So staff have to believe in it. Obviously customers have to believe in it, but just as importantly, the CEO, he or she has to drive it. And the board has to be on board and the, the shareholders have to be on board. And you know, there are so many people here that are required to be aligned to purpose to actually make it sustainable and, and have authenticity, as you say. Absolutely. And I think um, what that begins to build a bigger question is how do you create that influencer strategy to try and influence those stakeholders as well? How do we influence the board? How do we influence the shareholders? Um, but again, it's about saying and doing, not just saying. Yeah, because you know, we've seen some uh, prime examples, you know, like a lot of the fossil fuel companies, the petrochemical companies, you know, we've seen what is probably coming out of their, uh, their corporate strategy and their marketing about, you know, investing heavily in alternative energy. And yet when you actually go to the trouble of finding out, they're talking about infinitesimally small levels of investment in these sustainable energy, where they're still focusing 99% of their profit is coming from pulling uh, fossil fuels out of the ground. I mean, these are really complex issues. Is it, uh, part of this that they think just by telling people they're good guys that everyone's going to believe it? Well, that's my point, because I think people are investigating more and more and more. So if they're saying something and doing something else, then they'll be found out. But, but I think also, you know, as you say, then it's it's an incredibly complex equation that we're dealing with. So our view is that, um, and certainly when we've spoken to the UN Office of Partnerships, then their view is as, as well, that if an organisation is making an attempt to improve, then that's a significant advance from 10 years ago where organisations weren't even trying to make an attempt. All they were focused on is profit. But the fact is at what level, and when you talk about infinitesimal, then small. That, small, then that isn't enough. Yeah, and we need to encourage CEOs to 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 understand that purpose doesn't necessarily come at the expense of profit. There are many organisations out there that are delivering more profit as a result of purpose. Yeah, well, and one of the examples has to be that you know government is leading a lot of change. You know, the idea that government is having to step in and regulate because, you know, I think there's a realisation that uh, that uh, capitalism on its own without any control just runs rampant. So we're seeing government actually bringing in new legislation about minimal uh, levels of acceptable behaviour. And yet com some companies are turning around and saying, oh, look at us, we're complying with, you know, the global guidelines around sourcing uh, to avoid slavery or we're complying with, uh, you know, sourcing uh, free trade uh, products, you know, and, and they're saying that this is their purpose, merely complying with what's now being set as the minimum standard. Well, and the danger is, is that, you, you know, you've got the right hand doing one thing that could be complying and the left hand doing something completely different and it, and it isn't complying. But I think also the um, there was a recent report by Giving Large um, that suggested that Australian organisations could be spending $280 million a year on initiatives 
focused on purpose and focused on impact, but they're not actually measuring them. Right. They can't measure it. So, so that, so, you know, the challenge that we all face as well is how do we prove that it's working across many, many different industries? You know, Unilever is an example, and then they quote um, that there's uh, something like six, uh, something like the brands that they, um, I, I hope I get the numbers right, um, the brands that they have a purpose aligned with are growing at 69% faster than those that don't. Yeah, I've read that now, as well. Now, you know, whether whether you suggest that is that an organisational focus or is that a brand focus, we, we can obviously debate that. Well, look, I think in the Unilever case, it's, it's quite an interesting example because you've got a very strong corporate focus around making the world almost like a better place, yep, yep. you know, a clean, uh, more sustainable, mm. right? But then you've got all these brands. I mean, they literally have a hundred brands or more, and yet they've picked out almost like cherry pick the ones to extend that purpose. Well, you I know, think, for instance, like Dove is you know natural beauty. Natural beauty, yes. What about all the other brands that they haven't picked that out for because they just don't have a purpose that aligns to the overall corporate purpose? I think um, if you listen or read about what Alan Jopes' focus is, then his focus is that every single one of the brands will have a purpose. Now, you're absolutely right. Some are going to be far more difficult than others. Um, and, and how he goes through that process or how his team goes through that process, I, you know, we don't know. We'd be happy to help him or help them. Um, but uh, it, it's, there will certainly be some products and brands that will be more likely to be aligned with certain purposes than others. Because it is the uh, consumer packaged goods companies that have ended up with a house of brands rather than a mm. branded house. You know, we, uh, the PNGs, the Unilevers, yeah. the Nestle's, yeah. you know, they've ended up with this conglomerate of brands that it must be incredibly difficult to land on a meaningful purpose as a corporation mm. and then translate that into hundreds of brands. Well, and, and um, it goes back to an organisational purpose versus a brand purpose. You know, a brand purpose could be to help fulfil, to using the product to help fulfil the need of a consumer with a nice, beautiful wrapper of a purpose. So, you know, for example, um, uh, uh, um, let's say, um, who's the shoe brand? Um uh, Tom Shoes. Oh, so Tom yeah. Shoes. So you know that that's a beautiful um, brand, and when I purchase Tom Shoes, then I know that another pair will go. So it's buy one get one free. Yeah. Will go to someone else, and that that's that's a a really good positioning from a brand perspective. However, if you look at someone like Patagonia, then every single one of their products we know, and every single one of their um, you know, products we know that they will be helping others for every single product that's purchased. It's not just shoes or it's not just one thing or the other. I think KitKat recently came out, uh, I'm not sure whether it's a global campaign or just in Australia with an RUAK um, product alliance. Mm -hmm. So that, and I, I don't know whether money will actually be supporting RUAK and mental health and wellness. I sincerely hope so. But that's an example of the product. It is interesting though, because Tom Shoes and uh, Patagonia 
had purpose in their creation. Like yes. it's from the day mm. that the, they existed, the founders set a purpose. And same yep. with Ben and Jerry's. You know, there was yep. purpose from, the, from day one. It, that's a very different approach to having an organisation that's grown over time mm. organically and then trying to retrofit purpose to it, isn't it? Mm. Yes, but, but I think, y- yes, and I believe, though, that the, the point I was going to come on to make about the house of brands is, what, is, is the purpose of a house of brands to try and improve society or the environment or something that's far higher than just how can this brand support different groups of people. It's an interesting debate. Well, in fact, most of the house of brands, and and a good example is Cadbury Craft merging in to create Mondelez, Mm. then selling off the craft business. And all of these decisions were made largely for financial reasons. Mm. I I don't see or you don't hear about purpose driving these investments to buy and merge with uh, other companies. It's not that, oh, purpose makes this a good acquisition. Financially, it looks good. The shareholders will be happy. The uh, investors are happy. Oh, now look at this mess that we've got because nothing fits properly. Oh, well, let's bundle this up and flog that off over here. I mean, I don't hear any purpose in any of this. Well, and I think the danger is is that, going back to what I said at the beginning, consumers will figure it out. And if a brand, if, if an organisation like Nestle were to, were to buy a brand solely to try and spruik the purpose message, then people will figure it out very quickly. Well, and Nestle have had their own problem with palm oil. Yes. Yeah, you know, and, and as many uh, companies have, you know, the, how do you sustainably uh, or how do you invest to sustainably produce palm oil when there's such a uh, uh, free or low-cost option in Indonesia? Mm. Okay, so the orangutan has nowhere to live, but, hey, at least yeah. we're able to provide this, the palm oil. Which, I again, guess, that's I the guess right that's, hand saying one thing and the left yeah. hand doing something and, else. And this is where the cynicism comes in for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because from, you know, all the research is saying that people want companies to have and be good corporate citizens and they want companies to be driven by a purpose to do good. And they'll buy from more of those companies than others, allegedly. And yet we're still seeing time and time again financial decisions that are made around other, you know, considerations that are not about doing good or, or you know. Do you think the pandemic will have an impact on this? Well, it's interesting. I was just going to uh, come on and um, make a comment that I think consumers' attitudes are certainly shifting and the pandemic has undoubtedly made people consider more and maybe made people reflect more. The challenge remains that how, how do we measure the success of it? And if organisations are spending, those organisations that are doing the right thing but aren't demonstrating the effect, then how can we use those case studies to demonstrate to other organisations that it's not just the research that's telling us what consumers will do, it's actually reality and it's really happening. And it's more than just measuring the impact on sales, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. 
because it's also the impact on the workforce. It's the impact on you know your distributors, your distribution, and your sourcing lines. There's a, a huge network that is impacted by an organisation when they truly embrace a purpose, isn't there? There's a huge impact, both um, rationally and also emotionally. You know, you have all. If you think about the supply chain network of a single product for, let's go back to Nestle, then the impact of every single stage along that is is enormous. And those suppliers and their suppliers, suppliers, and so on and so forth. It's also interesting because this has really accelerated in the last, let's say, 10 to 15 years with the rise of social media, giving individuals and organisations a voice that traditionally before that you could only have through paid media. Well, and I think you you could have through paid media, but it was about marketing to the or, or communicating or building a relationship with the majority. Whereas now, whether it's social media or whether whether it's just digital channels, you build the relationship on a one-to-one basis. So you can have many, many, many relationships, but you still have to have something that is absolutely core to your organization and core to your brand that's relevant to them all. Mm. It's an interesting one. I mean, I'm get, have you found any difference in the conversations you're having since COVID? Oh, absolutely. There has been a fundamental shift amongst people to being much more personal. In fact, I wrote an article about it, which is I think COVID and especially working from home has made business more human. You know, and, and this as simple as the observation is, remember 2017, the BBC man, he was called, you know, he was doing a cov- uh, coverage on BBC from home and his children ran in and his yep. wife ran in and everyone thought she was the housekeeper or the nanny because she, she's Asian and he's a Western and all, yep. you know. And, and yet this is now happening every day. Business is being run across all sorts of video uh, channels where you're literally inviting people into your home to do business. Mm. I mean, I, I think that's making people more human, Absolutely more, more accepting, more uh, concerned about you know, each other's welfare beyond the idea of putting on the suit of armour, turning up to the yep. castle, uh, which is the corporate office, and uh, getting ready to do battle. Mm. It's much more about, you know, caring about individuals. Well, what's interesting um, about that as well is, and when you talk about the suit of armour in the classic sort of sales presentation, then uh, one of the initiatives that we're working on with a WPP company out of London is that um, if you think about the last slide that's presented, it's always the thank you slide. And it's it's a bit ho-hum and said, oh, you know, thanks very much and so on. What we're doing with WPP is donating, trying to get organizations to donate that thank you slide to recognize a purpose or a social cause that the group within that meeting or the audience within that meeting will actually appreciate and acknowledge. So for example, we might say, you know, thank, and certainly um, at the moment, because if we think about the food supply, we probably haven't considered or thought or reflected upon farmers for a very long time. Mm. But the fact that, you know, through them, then we're still having three meals on our plates every day. And so there could be a very simple message that just says, thank you for those farmers that during these tough times, they're still managing to put food on our, on our table. 
So that's a great example, uh, Mike, and that goes straight to your thankful business as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, Thankful has been set up. It's a, a global social enterprise um, that is there to help brands to, um, we basically what we do is we co-brand products with brands. So for example, if we were working with someone like a L'Oreal, then we could create a perfume called Thankful. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit similar to Product Red, yep. which Bono started. And in the first 10 years, a red produced 36 different products, and they raised $500 million to support AIDS in Africa. The beauty of the thankful model is that we could um, be multiple cause because you can be thankful for women, thankful for the oceans, thankful for kids, thankful for pets, Mm. and it goes on and on and on and on. And we also have the trademark of the word thankful globally across more than 135 different product areas. So if you if if you imagine the example that I just gave about creating a perfume called Thankful with L'Oreal, we'll do a revenue share where our small part of revenue that Thankful generates will do two things. One, it will um, support a cause related campaign or initiative like Thankful for Women in this case, because the audience is women. And then the other thing is that we will provide support to other nonprofits that already have programs on the ground to help end violence against women and so on and so forth. Mm. It's an interesting um, it's an interesting concept of creating a brand that then is the opportunity for other brands to almost ride on the back of. Well, and it's a really great question because thankful, yes, it's a brand, but it's also an emotion and it's also a directive and it's and it's getting people to reflect more because it's scientifically proven that if we reflect more upon the things that we do have rather than the things we don't have, i.e. what we're thankful for, then it'll lead to happy, happier people. Mm. And certainly in these times where, if you like, the hidden pandemic that is or will be uh, coming as a result of, or if it's not already here, as a result of COVID, is mental health and wellness. Mm. And so a brand like Thankful that can get everyone to reflect upon the things that we are thankful for and, and the positive things in life, will have an enormous effect. Sorry, it's just, uh, it's it's left me reflecting on the fact that, you know, I, there's a movement out there which says that if you took the top 10 richest people in the world and their net wealth, you could solve almost all of the world's problems like hunger, education, We live in a world where there's such disparity between the haves and the have-nots. And yet, you know, I like the idea of thankful because it gives back to the have-nots even the opportunity of being able to do something and reflect on what they do have rather than focusing on what they do not. I mean, it's interesting that the world has got into this, this place, this space, during this pandemic, you know, we've seen the rise of uh, Black Lives Matter, which has been around for for quite a while. You yeah. know, the the issue of, of racism and inequality has been around for a long time, but it's got a new voice. Mm. You know, we're seeing uh, uh, the talk around cl- the climate crisis is getting a new voice. It's getting a new, you know, new traction. It'll be interesting to see how this actually plays out. And especially uh, in the context of 
making people feel like they can actually make a contribution. Because I think so many people increasingly feel powerless. Um, I I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I think if, from a thankful perspective, if we can get more co-branded products on supermarket shelves, then we're not asking consumers to do any different. What we're asking them to do is purchase the bottle of milk that has a thankful logo or a thankful, in this case, milk would be thankful for farmers, but a logo on it. And they know that a portion of the sales of that product go directly towards helping farmers. Now, milk is probably not the greatest example given the challenges that milk has had within this country. Um, but certainly if we, can, if we can demonstrate to consumers that when they see the thankful logo, there's no difference in price, but they do know that the um, a portion the of the percentage of that will be going back to support to, the cause itself. Yeah. Okay. Um, getting back to the idea of uh, purpose, beyond thankful's purpose, which I think is a terrific one. Thank you. Where do companies or organisations start in defining their purpose? Because the thing that concerns me with calling it brand purpose is it sounds like it starts with marketing, <laughs> right? So where does purpose start? If there's an organisation that has never been created with a purpose, where would you start looking for purpose? Well, I mean, I, I Because it is found, isn't it? It will be within the organisation rather than being something that's just added on. Uh, it should be definitely within the organisation. Now, if an organisation decides that brand is the, the place that it starts, then that's a better starting point than not doing it at all. So, so don't get me wrong and say that we should just discount it. But I think it has to come from the CEO. Um, it has to come from a place within the organisation that um, the level of leadership and the level of influence and impact within the organisation um, is will mean that it's absolutely authentic and it's believed by everyone. Now, how how we start with organisations is yes, you might have you you might have the head of marketing or head of brand or you might have the CEO. Ideally, it's the CEO who's who's sponsoring the initiative, and then we will go and talk to staff. We will go and talk to consumers. We'll talk to shareholders, and we'll talk to the board to really understand where each of those components are coming from. And if an organization has already started doing something or has something established, then we understand that as well. Mm. And then we'll work with them to understand what we think all of those different components are at the center of the organization and what could be the purpose moving forward. It's interesting because uh, Jim Collins wrote about purpose mm. in, in Built to Last. And he said often purpose is uh, found with the founder of the organisation. And he didn't use this as an example, but for me, reading about the early days of Cadbury and the fact, and I can't remember which religion it was, I think it might have been Seven Day Adventists. I'm not sure mm. on that. But, yeah, you know, they actually, at Bourneville, built housing estates and, and created green spaces for the employees mm. that their religious beliefs and, and, uh, and values were actually translated into the company. 
Yeah. And that often, you know, when you go back to those companies that were created in the 19th century, at a time when corporations weren't corporations, but they were were companies that were almost uh, given as a a privilege for an individual to Mm. run, that they seem to have a much greater sense of purpose and social purpose um, than the corporations of the 20th century when it was all about shareholder value. Well, I guess that's that goes back to how we measure the short-termism of a, of a, of a business success. But um, and, and this is probably uh, a similar situation as the founder. But if you look at Ford as an example, and Bill Ford, I think, you know, he, he's regardless of what he's done during COVID, which has just been absolutely extraordinary. But prior to that, if you think about his purpose, everyone would be thinking, well, you know, is it about environment? Is it about transporting people? Is it about, you know, creating the cheapest car that's the most economical that does the best um, for the environment no he's you know he's talked about his Ford's purpose as being to mobilize humanity mm. and th- which, that's, is, that's which a, is what Henry Ford originally said yeah he wanted to make it available to every person yes I mean he did it in a way that mass you know he introduced mass production to lower costs but the purpose was to actually make the car something that Every man could, Absolutely. and person but, could. But, but I think, I think accessibility is slightly different from mobilising humanity. Okay. And yes, you know, we, we could argue the the semantics of it, but I think this whole notion of mobilising humanity um, implies a far bigger and greater vision mm. than just you know creating um, an ability to create products at such an accessible price mm. that everyone can buy. Well, and that's the other thing that I got from years ago reading Built to Last is that purpose is one thing, but how you implement it constantly changes. Mm. That implementation has got to do with the world, you know, and how the world evolves and how people evolve. But the actual core of the purpose remains the same. Absolutely. And you have to have every single staff member being a true believer. Mm. And, you know, if you like going back to, I mean, I'm not suggesting that we should uh, follow the uh, religious analogy too far but you know we have disciples who are sharing and believing in that purpose throughout Hmm. true believers true believers tbs okay so if a company is able to articulate a purpose what is the role then of brand purpose what would a marketer then do if they were working for an organisation that has a purpose? How do you go about the process of then integrating that into your marketing of the brands? Um, I guess it goes back to uh, what I said at the start, which is you know fundamentally what we're trying to do is understand brands and understand consumers and building the relationship between the two. Now, how the brand fits within that based upon the purpose, then you've almost got like a, I'm not quite sure what shape it is, but let's just call it a a square with four different points on it. And how do we take the brand and the consumer um, and understand how we can deliver that in the most differentiating and most relevant way that makes them to motivate and believe that this brand really means business. Mm. And sometimes the purpose may not actually be a in traditional marketing terms, a consumer benefit, though, 
It might not be. But it could be, you know, it, it could or should be something that is enhancing the customer's experience or perception of the brand. I completely agree. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, going back to your point about directly being a consumer benefit, is it me as the consumer who's purchasing it, as me benefiting directly, or is it me knowing that the organisation is doing something right? Which this is a discussion I've had many times, especially with my uh, mother when she was alive. I'd say even people like her that do a lot of community work, you still do it for yourself because you get the reward of doing good for others. So there is still a personal reward in doing good. Absolutely. That's above and beyond even recognition because in its most purest form, it is just the, the joy of knowing you've made a difference. Well, and what do they say? The definition of integrity is doing the right thing even when no one's looking. Mm. Absolutely. It's the impact of how it makes you feel. But if I do something for you, Darren, then it will make you feel good as well. Do you think purpose always has to be either environmental sustainability, uh, ethically responsible, uh, uh, socially responsible? You know, the, the sort of what used to be called the triple bottom line seems to be the types of purposes that uh, people are rushing to market with or communicating. But purpose could be bigger than that because I like the example before with Ford, you know, this idea of mobilising the world or mobilising the, the people is that doesn't have any of those uh, sort of triple bottom line expressions to it, does it? Um, I think it's a great question, uh, and it probably depends upon the different type of organisation. And you know, if you're a uh, small shoe manufacturer, then you probably don't have global vision. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is you can create a purpose that, to, you know, with it, with an intent to try and enable everyone to travel from A to B or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think global organisations then, you know, they have a big part to play in what's going to happen in our future. Mm. And whether that falls under the sort of classic ESG type banner or whether it falls under the 17 United Nations Social um, uh, Sustainable Development Goals, um, it, what really matters is what's right for the organisation and whether it's authentic and whether it will have a social impact. Mm. It also has to be inspirational for the organisation and for those stakeholders, doesn't it? Absolutely. The reason I bring it up is that there's been, and I won't name them, but there's been organisations that suddenly will grab the nearest charity or, or you know, uh, do you know, doing good uh, initiative and then go, well, we'll support that. You know, we all take a percentage of every sale and put it towards this, oh, look, We've got our purpose. Our purpose is to support this charity. That's not really purpose, is it? It's, but that's not doing a bad thing. Let, no, let's be, it, no, but no. It's, yes. I, I, I get that, but <laughs> I want to differentiate the difference between yes. doing good, right, because you can, and having a purpose. Because I think purpose, you know, you said before, purpose is part of the DNA of the organisation. Just tactically... And I say that, you know, a bit flippantly, mm, but yeah. choosing something that's good, oh, well, that's good, let's do that, there's our purpose, 
is not actually purpose because it's not come from the organisation. It's come from, you know, and, and when I challenged this company on it, they said, oh, well, but our, um, our founders have always uh, thought that that charity was a good charity. Well, you know, I'm, I worked at the Children's Hospital. I think the Children's Hospital is a great charity. But it's not in my purpose as an organisation. And I think purpose should undoubtedly come first. And supporting the children's charity as an example is one of the deliverables and one of the ways that we are showing that we're living to our purpose. Mm. So, yes, I agree that um, driving sales to support a charity is not a purpose. It's still a good thing. Yeah. It's not a purpose. You need to have the strategic purpose defined to then align whether the charity is right, which again, goes back to the, some of the challenges that we face with founders are that, you know, they might have supported, as your example, the children's charity for many years, but if the purpose is something different and the children's charity doesn't align to it, then how do you change the of course. focus? And, but uh, for me, that's one of the measures of a good purpose is that, you know, or, or a solid purpose is that it has a strategic element to it mm. in that a good strategy uh, informs you in your decisions on what to do, but more importantly, not what not to do, mm. right? Just choosing something to use as, you know, and, and doing good is good, but it can exist beside purpose. But, but choosing, a, having a purpose that then says, right, should we buy this company? Well, does it move our purpose forward? Should we invest in this technology? Mm. Should we, you know, do you know, move into this space? Should we uh, move into these markets? All should have purpose as part of the filtering process of what decisions to make in the affirmative and what to reject, shouldn't they? Absolutely. And I think um, if we think about who defines strategy within, a, within an organisation, then it's the board and the CEO. Mm. And if they're the ones who are defining what that DNA is and where the organization should go, then regardless of whether it's a brand market or a brand manager or, or a marketing director making the decision as to how we communicate that, the strategy still is clear. Mm. The reason I say that is that, again, going back to some of the brand purposes, is that they often will align to a marketing strategy, but not an organisational strategy. Yep. Which I think is that's the power of leadership and the likes of people like Alan Jobe, if they are going to be aligning every single one of their products and their brand purposes to Unilever's over overarching purpose, then that has to be the future. But again, it goes back to if you have 50 brands that you're dealing with, which ones are you going to pick off first? Mm. It's, um, there's a great quote from Bill Bernbach uh, from DDB. Yeah, DDB yeah. Yeah. He said, a principle's only a principle when it costs when you, it money. Costs you money. Right? And I'm just wondering whether you could also apply it to a purpose is only a purpose when it costs you money. Well, I mean, I think a, a, a good business doing good should actually be entitled to both. Of course. But the question is, is there a short-term... Um, reduction in profit to drive the purpose that ultimately builds both purpose and profit in the future. Mm. But then it goes back to the other part of the circular um, process, which is the measurement. Exactly. And how are you going to measure it? 
And how do you think companies should measure it? Because clearly just, you know, financial performance initially is not going to do it. Yeah, there's a lot of other measures, aren't there, such as uh, employee satisfaction and retention. What else? There's 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 lots of them, and and I I think um, you can create a balance scorecard, but it has to be reviewed against what the strategy initial strategy is. Uh, I think obviously, as we've talked about, stakeholders are incredibly important, and how you measure their impact, how you measure influence, how you measure. Um, customer, uh, sorry, um, staff satisfaction, but also how you measure consumer satisfaction. And I think the um, way you can get some type of metric that can measure um, authenticity and that believability and demonstrating that what you're saying, you're actually doing as well. Um, Mike, I've just noticed the time, but uh, we've run out of time. Thank you very much for making the time. This has been a conversation that has literally left me speechless because it's created so many thoughts of uh, for me to reflect on. So I really appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. And I, I think, um, you know, one of the two most important points I can make is that it's very clear that doing good is good for business. It's not just for the business itself, but also everything else. So it's how we can create an impact for business, for consumers, for profit and for purpose. Um, but the other thing is that there is no magic wand that just one day I can flick a switch and I become a purpose-driven organisation. No. And it goes back to what we said, it's about the incremental things that make the difference and providing I'm an organisation that is intent on making a difference slowly, mm. then that's what we're looking for. For a business that is driven by purpose. It's a long game, in other words. It's a very long game. Uh, one last question. If you are put on the spotlight right now, who do you think has done it really, really well? Mm-hmm.